Welcome back to Trust God Bro on the 12 days of Christ Centermas, relishing and reflecting on the gospel. And so, um, as you can tell, this is day 10, and it, you can probably also tell that it's a little bit late. <laughs> I usually like to post these the night before, and so they're ready the morning of. But a lot of things uh, went to um, not as planned. Um, we were traveling back from Colorado, and on our way back, we had a check engine light come on flashing, and the transmission was being weird and the rpms were going up so anyways we had to get towed part of the way and we waited later and i was i was gonna try to film this record this episode in the rest stop that we were in for like three hours or so but then i got out my charger for my laptop and the like end of it was like so frayed off it just broke off and so yeah right now i I, i'm recording this on imovie instead of GarageBand like usual so you know this might be like the part two of when your plans get destroyed but no not really this is the 12 days of christ-centeredness and so you know, we just need to be reminded so much of what the gospel is in our lives and um, how it applies to us and how much um, God has done for us. And so each day will be a different meditation on an attribute of God and some discussion questions. So today we're talking about trusting God's glory. And this is similar to the previous day um, with jealousy, but it's also very distinct. And I know I mentioned it a couple times like glory, and I think that's a term sometimes that can be used and it's hard to define it. And so I think I want to spend some time just defining it and also showing how we can trust God's glory and how it is for our good. And so it's distinct in the way it's different from God's jealousy, but God is jealous or zealous for his glory. So uh, this phrase is used a lot in Christian circles and I even put it on my Instagram bio because it's one of my favorite rappers. Um, he uses it. But what does glory mean and what is the glory of God? So a really helpful place I found to define this is in Isaiah. And so Isaiah has a vision that, that helped build the case for God's glory and what it's like. So in the vision, Isaiah is dirty. He's, he says he's unworthy to come before God in his throne room. And so in the throne room, uh, Isaiah, Isaiah is having this vision of it and he's standing before God and he sees how dirty he is in comparison to God. And he's like, oh, I like me of unclean lips. And Isaiah attempts to describe what the throne room is like. And in Isaiah 6, 3, angelic beings surrounding the throne room continue saying something about God's character. And it says, and one called to one another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his blank. Now I'll let you finish the sentence, his what, you know, his, his holiness, right? You know, holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is full of his holiness, right? At least that's what you would expect it to say. But no, it actually says something else. It says, the whole earth is full of his glory. Everywhere, the whole earth. But why not holiness? So John Piper comments on it saying, the glory of God is the manifest beauty of his holiness. It's the public, the going public of his holiness God's glory is his attributes being put on display. His harmonious love, justice, patience, wrath, omnipotence, jealousy, goodness, kindness, humility, righteousness, and steadfastness. Glory is the manifestation and the presentation of his holiness. This is what God's glory is. His attributes being seen and experienced in the world. And God has been in eternal bliss with himself, the, the Holy Trinity, before time began. 
And the Bible doesn't write a ton about this, but we do know a little bit about this communion, and we know it was very good. So as Jesus intercedes with God before he's going to the cross to take on the sins of those who trust in him, in John 17, he says this, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. And this gives us a taste of what it's like for God to enjoy his attributes and enjoy his own glory. And he's saying, it's like, Jesus is praying and he's having this communion with himself. And God was always in community because God the Father, God the Son, God um, the Holy Spirit were always dwelling in perfect harmony. And so they said, like, they want to be um, glorified. God wants to be glorified with the glory that he had before the world existed. And so I don't know, um, I don't know if you can tell, but it was awesome. Jesus loves being with his father because he knows how awesome he is and how it was being with him for an eternity. It was magnificent. It's like the greatest never ending honeymoon ever. You know, God has a honeymoon intensity of love for himself that never dies. It's like the greatest birthday party ever between himself. It's, it's like being seeing life in a newborn baby, like how a tiny child, Lord willing, will have a long life full of many things, and there's excitement and joy. It says, have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. And like a dog in love with his owner, when he comes home at the end, at the same time for the 693rd time in a row, the dog's joy never grows old. The dog pounces on him and has delight and childlike joy and infatuation with his master. He does not grow bored. God's love for himself never grows old. He never grows bored with what he does. There are lots, there are not a lot of things to compare this to because we, like me, myself, are, are really not like this. You know, when discerning this knowledge of God, I instinctively thought that God's love for himself must grow stronger every day. And like, you know, do, do you think, that's true and um but j.a packer sheds light in this question in his book knowing god and he says created things have a beginning and an end but not so their creator the answer to the child's question who made god is simply that god did not need to be made for he always was there he exists forever and he is always the same he does not grow older his life does not wax or wane he does not gain new powers nor lose the ones that he once had he does not mature or develop he does not get stronger or weaker or wiser. As time goes by, he cannot change for the better, wrote A.W. Tozer, for he is already perfect, and being perfect, he cannot change for the worse. All his attributes, his glory is undying and unchanging. So not only is this true, but there are promises that God's glory will fill the whole earth and the people that will inhabit it. So Habakkuk 2.14 says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. And like, how do we know this? And we can see this in Isaiah 6 when it continues. Isaiah declares his state before God. He says, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King and the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to him with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, with it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. This coal that touched him and purified him was the promised atonement that we desperately need in order to dwell in God's glory. And you see that this picture of God's glory is so 
perfect and we, we want to be there so desperately, but yet we cannot because God's glory is too great for us. And so the securement of this atonement is found in the perfect deity and person of Jesus Christ, who in the great exchange gave up perfect enjoyment in his glory to come down to earth and experience the brokenness to die for people that would not and could not follow him. And this is the securement of God's glory. It is found because Jesus atones for our sins and allows us to come before God and enjoy his glory through faith and repentance in him. So when his glory is poured out into the earth, the glory that he had in all eternity is poured out into the earth. So the same childlike enthrallment and love of good and perfect holiness is poured out like a flood over the earth and the, the water of his goodness just as much as you can see when you look over a cliff and you see the crashing waves and the blue canvas as far as you can see and it's like can you see it can you see the entire world drowned in his glory as far as you can see undying joy and benevolent ruling greatness the greatest rulers on earth can barely accomplish bringing together a room of leaders but god will accomplish the establishment of his goodness over the entire world, not just one standard of goodness, but God himself, his standard of goodness, this great undying love and peace being established where Jesus is exalted and God is cherished. And so the only discussion question I had was, how can you find more delight in God's glory? And yeah, so think about that and uh, apply it to your own life. And so thanks for listening to day 10 of the 12 days of Christ centeredness, relishing and reflecting on the gospel. And so uh, thanks for tuning in. And tomorrow we'll be talking about trusting God's humility. And so yes, that's it. Trust his glory, bro.